to Hive Mind. I am Meg. I'm here with Eli. This is a bonus episode. Woo! Hey, Eli. I was really worried we were never going to get around to this because it seemed like a journey. It, it was. Um, we are here today. Okay, I'm a little fuzzy. Is this the 1962 or 3 best picture? So this was filmed in 1962, and which means it won... Best Picture in 1963 at the 35th Academy Awards. So we are talking about Lawrence of Arabia. Uh, run Lawrence time, of Arabia. Uh, Runtime. Four hours? Almost four hours. Four three hours, hours and 46 How minutes, I think. How accomplished do you feel having watched this? Meg, I am telling you, look, I, we'll, we'll get into this. This is a good movie. It is a good movie. It's still like... No, it doesn't matter how good your movie is. If it's this long, <laughs> it is a slog. And I was watching this and I was like, oh, they didn't know about miniseries yet. Okay, that is exactly <laughs> what I said so many times. This could easily be an eight-part miniseries on HBO. Yes. And it would be if they made it today. And it'd be pretty good. It'd be really good. Yeah. It, as it is, it's a four-hour-long movie that is very good. But by the end, I was like, okay, yeah. all right, okay time to end i do think it would have been pretty easy for them to chop off an hour and a half i could have had it end where it ends for intermission i think that yeah. would have been a good movie i i agree with that but also as beautiful as they are there are frequent long segments without anyone talking of just like watching people cross the desert and it was beautifully shot don't get me wrong but like it would be like five six minutes of like oh like this music and they're just like walking across the desert nobody's saying a word and it's like i didn't get like any extra plot out of those five or six minutes i just like i know they're crossing the desert and it's difficult but i feel like they could have communicated that in 20 to 30 seconds rather than five minutes see i think it's intentional and i know like it's frustrating as a viewer and you're mm -hmm. like Ugh, but i think that uh robert lean is trying to elicit the monotony and the fatigue that these people themselves were experiencing traveling across the Arab desert. Yeah. What's wrong? Yeah. What are you doing? I'm just, I'm pointing your mic like directly at your so mouth. So people can hear me? Yeah. I'm worried people won't hear you. They never hear me. Okay. It's fine. <laughs> uh, I, I, I understand that. And he was successful in making me feel fatigue watching yeah. this movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, did you fast forward at all? No, but I broke it up over two nights. You did. So I didn't have time to do that. So I had yeah. to do it in one sitting so that I did start to get to points where I was like, I'm going to hit forward a few times because they're crossing the desert again. And I would hit it, hit it, hit it, hit it, hit it for like four minutes. And then finally they would be like, start talking again. I'd be like, okay, yeah, back in action. I, you could do that. I think that, yes. If you just want to get, like, what's the gist of Lawrence of Arabia, mm -hmm. it can be done that way. Um, I read this really excellent review from Robert Ebert on okay. this. And he said, I've noticed that when people remember Lawrence of Arabia, they don't talk about the details of the plot. They get a certain look in their eye as if they are remembering the whole experience. And I've mm -hmm. never quite been able to put it into words. Um, yes, it is a spectacle and experience and its ideas are about things you can see or feel not things you can say much of its appeal is based on the fact that it does not contain a complex story with a lot of dialogue. We remember the quiet empty passages the sun rising across the desert the intricate lines traced by the wind in the sand 
And I think that is yes. a really good summation of what this yes. movie is. I was expecting like a a talkie, like a lot of dialogue, yeah. a lot of here are the intricacies of war, here yeah. are all these different characters you need to keep track of. Really, you need to keep track of one, and it's Lawrence. It's that, uh, yeah, yeah. What as I was driving here and thinking about like what I wanted to say about this movie, I thought I'm not sure that I could actually give a very good account of what the plot is beyond Lawrence is this British dude who's gone into uh, this kind of tribal war warfare between warring factions that, frankly, were a little bit difficult for me to keep track of and understand exactly why they were fighting. And he is engaging in all of that. And it's it's a slog for him. Right. And eventually but he also loves it. He loves it. And eventually he becomes in a way like them. You know, they, they even end up giving him robes because they start to, like, think of him as one of their own. And in the end, he's sort of turned into this nomad that doesn't really have a home that that really fits him anymore. And like that's like a, a an extremely general and probably half inaccurate account of the plot, but I honestly don't think I could do better than that. And yet, like that review uh, that you just read says, I like feel like I have like an emotion about the movie. Yeah. Yeah. Um I Every time I see a movie about World War 1, I, I think, boy, I know nothing about World War 1. Mm -hmm. Like just didn't even really know the Turks were involved, you know? And, mm -hmm. I, and so it was interesting to learn that little bit about it. Yeah. And, you know, this is based on a true story. T.E. Lawrence really did, like, get all of these warring Arab factions to come together and help defeat the Turks in that area of the world. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, yeah, that's really it as far as the story goes. Yeah. And so you're like, what's the four hours? And it's just desert. Mm -hmm. Like, it's just a spectacle i don't know where they got all the camels mm -hmm. i think this must have been a miserable shoot to shoot out in the desert with all that wind and sand mm -hmm. and the costumes are amazing everyone's really interesting to look at peter o'toole is like a fascinating guy to look at he is a coyote Do you, okay we have <laughs> such different tastes in men he look look i i would like to put him on a moisturizing routine but like I'm um, I'm adjusting for inflation, 1963, you know, sure. whatever. This man looks like uh, an early 2000s Abercrombie and Fitch model. Yeah, he looks like he belongs in a Dior perfume commercial. Yeah. And like that's kind of what this movie feels like at times. He's... You're like, is this Savage by Dior? <laughs> Peter O'Toole is unattainable hot. He's not even, he's not boy next I door hot. He's distractingly beautiful. Yes, in a way that's where what I was I, like. Whoa. I think I think we're saying the same thing. Yeah, but you're like into it and I'm like I um, don't know about I, this. I'm into it in like the way that you're into unattainable where you're like I'm not like actually like Got he's it. not going to actually be my hall pass because like it's not that's sure, not even sure, possible. Sure. But he's just like Whereas like Seth Rogen it's like yeah maybe you know. <laughs> that's not mine. If but... we met at a club or something it could happen uh yeah so I, I don't know he's he is a very interesting man and he is he's a model i mean he he looks like an international supermodel but also like he's a very lanky guy like there's mm -hmm. the part where they take his shirt off he's in that prison and it's a pretty upsetting scene mm -hmm. but he's like kind of a scrawny dude yeah and if you see the pictures of the real t.e lawrence he was just like a little scrawny guy yeah so he's not your typical leading man, especially for the time. He's got a yeah. very different look about him, and I think it works in this. Yeah, I went I went down a rabbit hole about the real Lawrence, by the way, on the internet. 
very gay man. Well, okay, so that's another thing. <laughs> or that asexual. Ebert brings up in this, you know, mm-hmm. like it, it was 1962. It's not like they could create this overtly gay character, but he's not not gay in the movie. Like mm-hmm. there, if you want to look for it, it's there. Yeah, and you can. He's very flamboyant at times, and he has these two like close friends and you're like i don't know maybe something there um and he talks about how part of what made him attracted to go do this special assignment was he never really felt like he had a place in the british army in cairo where everyone else was and he was like yeah i've always been an outsider i can go be an outsider over there and he was effective in part because he was an outsider. Right. I think that's a really interesting element to both the real story and this movie. That's yeah, that is fascinating. I so, you know, some of the things that I read about the real the real Lawrence is that some of his friends described him as they thought he was maybe asexual, which like okay. who knows what how people were using those terms back then when you couldn't really talk that openly about it, but there was something about him that caused people in his life to understand that like he, this was a man who didn't seem to have affection, romantic affection for women. Okay. And so that was interpreted by his friends as like, oh, like he's never going to be partnered in like a traditional way, which is really interesting. Yeah. There were letters that have been discovered where it seems like he's expressing affection for men. Um, statements that he said uh, that he made about men that he seemed to have an affection for that was beyond what you would typically see of a straight dude of that era really fascinating if you look up pictures of him he also looks gay yeah the skyler... way he stands yeah. he like does the thing where he holds the bottom half of his face in his hand <laughs> skyler said he has gay face and i was like yeah i see it yeah <laughs> yeah definitely and even peter o'toole in this it's like oh like he definitely mm-hmm. was not but the way he holds himself in this movie yeah it feels like you're watching a gay character. very hand on your hip yeah and yeah 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 um i was surprised watching this by how many things I have seen come after it that feel like a pretty direct descendant of this. A lot of sci-fi stuff, a lot of Star Wars, Star Wars. Andor, yeah. um, The Mandalorian, Dune, obviously. Yep. A lot of like these sci-fi epic adventures feel like they saw Lawrence of Arabia and thought, oh, we can do this, but we can do it in space. I, I looked up very early on while watching this where this was filmed because... Uh, so like the Jabba the Hutt uh, mm-hmm. stuff in Star Wars out in the sand dunes was like filmed in Southern California, the sand dunes like in Death Valley. And I was like, oh, I bet they filmed this there as well because it like looked so identical Libya, to that. Libya, right? Uh, Libya? Yeah, they filmed it like in Spain and Libya, like a couple of locations, but it wasn't California. Yeah. And I was like, oh, OK. But like the fact that seeing these images like so quickly reminded me of Star Wars, like you're, I think you're right. Like it does feel like this was this must have been groundbreaking um cinematically for later filmmakers you know who were trying to get an aesthetic for for certain types of films. i mean i can't think of any movie that comes before this that's like a desert epic mm-hmm. or even really an epic that comes before this except for maybe gone with gone the with wind. the wind was definitely an epic would you consider how would you define epic like sweeping landscapes and the wizard of oz would that be an epic no I feel like that's more confined than Mm -hmm. this. There's never a big landscape. Do you think there is? Am I I mean, when when they're when they're marching to Emerald City, you kind of get like the the poppy fields and that kind of landscape. Yeah, I guess it feels very still theatrical. Yeah. Uh, Like it's on a stage and this feels like, oh, no, you're really out in the desert. And you really brought all these camels and all these extras and 
you're filming a war scene out in the desert. Yeah. And this is this is pre Ben Hur, right? I believe so. And Free I was wondering Ten about that Ten Commandments because I got a lot of Ten Commandment vibes. From Me this. too. And Ben Hur, like yeah. both of them. Yeah, which I love. They, but I think all similar era here, yeah. right? All yeah. 1960s. Men in eyeliner doing like big performances. When, when was Chariots of Fire? <sighs> That's late. Is that 80s? Right? Yeah, because remember from The Crown? They made yeah. Chariots of Fire, and that was in the 80s. Yeah, so that's like almost two decades after this. But like another film that feels like... Big. And and all of these feel like precursors to a lot of the films that, we're, that we've seen in our lifetimes. Yeah. You know, um, these kind of big stage uh, period piece films where you like really get a sense of kind of... It, it, like like the, the review you just read said, you get more of a sense of of the film than the plot itself i mean it reminded me too of indiana jones like mm. what's the plot of any of the indiana jones movies i barely know you know but yeah. like i know there's nazis in the desert and yeah. you know there's a guy and he's on an adventure like it felt mm -hmm. very similar to that and this is a movie that inspired steven spielberg to become a filmmaker and i think that there's oh, a very really? direct correlation there. is that mentioned in the fablemans i don't think so because as you've said that, that sounded familiar but to me. But remember in The Fablemans, there's that great scene where he's filming his friends and he's teaching the one yeah. guy how to emote and there's yeah. like all the dead kids on the rocks. You know, that, that was... felt very Lawrence of Arabia. By the way, I think that was my favorite part of The Fablemans. Uh, me too. All of the stuff of him making movies was really as fun. As a kid, yeah, yeah. It was very fun. The rest, I was like, okay, all right. It started to it started to slog after a while. Yeah. When, he get, when, when they move and he goes to high school and there's like a whole act three of him in high school, I was like, what are we doing? Why? Yeah, it's like, it's what we're doing the whole life here. why are we here <laughs> why are we seeing are we him in high jurassic park it or... was so weird but yeah. like and honestly if, if they had cut that part i actually probably would have rated the fablemans much higher anyway it did sorry. feel long it, it felt, felt long well, but all of his movies are long too so that's yeah. a whole other discussion yeah Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Another thing that stuck out to me about this movie was what a complicated character he was. He's not a hero. Mm. He's not an anti-hero. He just kind of is. And he gives that speech toward the end about how he just, like, wants to be a human. And he doesn't want to be exceptional. Mm -hmm. He just wants to be, like, a normal guy. But also when he's dismissed and is going home, that's clearly not what he wants. Right. Did you ever see The Hurt Locker? Yes. It reminded me a lot of the Hurt Locker. I see that. Okay. Where he goes home and all he wants to do is get back out to war, even though war is oh, hell. Yeah. And you can tell that Lawrence has lived through hell and turned into a person he doesn't like uh -huh. and sometimes a killing monster. He doesn't knew who, know who he is without it. Yeah. And I, just, I think, again, that was probably the first to do it that way. Interesting. Uh, so speaking of World War One, is this... What is your what do you what is your favorite World War One film? Do you have one? I mean, I haven't seen many. You mm -hmm. know, I feel like 1917 was the most recent I can think of. You what still about... haven't seen All Quiet on the Western no, Front. No, I'm planning to this weekend. I really want to watch it before the yeah. I won the BAFTAs. Yeah, 
but they really... don't really like American movies. Yeah, so. but I was happy to see that because it's great. Nineteen Seventeen is a very similar film. It has a very similar similar aesthetic to All Quiet on the Western Front. But All Quiet on the Western Front is a grander film, where mm -hmm. 1917 is like a very individual story. Um, All Quiet on the Western Front is like, this is World War One, boom, you know, like it just kind yeah. of, and it's a far more graphic and terrifying. But this, it was interesting because I feel like anytime you do see depictions of World War One, it's Europe, yeah. right? Yeah. And so this was kind of a fun thing to be like, oh, this is what's happening in other parts of the world around this war. Uh, this is a fresh take. And I'm like you. I feel like I don't know that much about World War One. Yeah. We we as an American society, we're obsessed with talking about World War Two. Yeah, because we were the heroes. So we were the heroes. And um and there was a clear like villain and you know, good guy, bad guy story, yeah. you know, to us in World War Two, where World War One, it was just sort of like just here's chaos. Yeah. And every like all of this is pointless chaos. There's some statistic uh that i read a book that was set in australia and all the boys went off to war and like none of them came home mm -hmm. like for a long time there were far more women in australia than men because so many of the men had died in world war one there's a there's like a common known um fact or like statistic or, or in eastern europe uh, about the soviet army that like after world war ii you could not find a man who was born in 1924. Ugh. They were all dead. Like, Ugh. all of them were dead. And yeah. it was just, like, a known thing. Like, the boys from 1924, there are none left. So tragic. Yeah. The other thing about this um, movie, and I don't want to speak out of turn, and obviously this movie is from 1962, and it's problematic in a lot of ways that any mm. movie from 1962 would be, but it did do it was more respectful to the Arab people than I think I was expecting for a movie of its Agreed. time. And it made them seem much smarter than Lawrence. They weren't caricatures. No, and, like, the scene where Lawrence kind of goes crazy and, like, starts stewing everybody, it's, like, Omar, who's, like, you have to... What are you... What are yeah. You know, like, how dare you call us a barbarous people? Yeah. Look at you. Yeah. You know, and I was, like, okay, this is smart. Like, this is yeah. telling this story in a way that I think is ahead of its time. I was... I was absolutely surprised by that because i just assumed i was like oh this is going to be like the white man's hero journey yeah. to the yeah, barbarians yeah. yeah and that is not at all like at least from my perspective i'd be interested to hear from people who are not another white man but uh it did not feel like that was the story to me at all and i felt like the characters that he was encountering were three-dimensional they had like emotion they had opinions they had a value system that like was well thought out and made sense yeah. And you're right. Like, it feels like a lot of the time, you know, he's doing a lot to drive the plot forward, but it feels like a lot of time they're putting boundaries around him. And like, they they also have their own motivations and interests that they're trying to, to control and take, you know, take advantage of. And I, you know, the movie is very, very long, but they do uh, flesh out a lot of character through the characters. And I thought that was really fascinating. Yeah. Would you recommend this movie? Uh, yes, and I would recommend that you watch it in multiple sittings. Yeah, I agree. This is Steven's all-time favorite movie. Mm -hmm. And for a long time, I made it my personality to be like, Ugh, Lawrence of Arabia, you know, and be mm -hmm. like, mm, that's a dude movie. Like, that's there are no you. women in it. No women, but <laughs> I was thinking about this because I was like, failed the Bechdel test, you know. Yeah. But <laughs> the, it's it's like neutral because it's just a movie about 
war and these men who were at war, like the only purpose a woman would have had in that movie is to be a love interest. Mm -hmm. Like there weren't women generals. There weren't women who were fighting in in the Arab troops. Like it would not have made sense. And so I'm like, I think I give it a pass for that. Okay. Um, Should we talk awards? We should talk awards. I just want to say, Stephen was right. I was wrong. It is a really good movie. It is. And I am very glad that I've seen it. And I would watch it again, but not in one sitting. I'd probably do four. And I would watch it as a miniseries. And I think it would be very effective as a miniseries. So a question we ask about these films, should they remake it as Um, a film or a miniseries? I don't think it should be Lawrence of Arabia, but I think it should be the story of T.E. Lawrence. Interesting. And tell that story. Yeah. What about like, you? I I like that. Yeah. I don't think they should remake this movie. No, I don't think you can. Um, so this one over To Kill a Mockingbird. Yes, which is a, still kind of a controversial thing. I, I like To Kill a Mockingbird. Lots of people think it falls flat. Mm-hmm. I like it too. I think Gregory Peck in it is great. Yes. And he, I believe, won. So Which I'm like, that's the award it should get yeah. is Best Actor. So it's, okay, so... Uh, it was up against, like you said, To Kill a Mockingbird, The Longest Day, which I've not seen, um, The Music Man, which is like a pretty hokey film. I don't I, know if I've ever seen the movie. I've just seen the play a million different times. I've seen the movie. It's fun. Okay. Like it's if if you're a musical person, then it's like a classic. Um, it definitely should not have beat out To Kill a Mockingbird or Lawrence of Arabia, but it's funny that it's on this list. And then Mutiny on the Bounty. I never heard of it. I think it's a really popular book at the time. Um, best actor, like you said, Gregory Peck won for To Kill a Mockingbird, but Peter O'Toole was nominated. He, oh, he is tied with Glenn Close for the most nominations and zero wins. Yeah, I saw that. Like eight, he's been nominated. Bless his heart. He was nominated like eight times for... At least he had those eyes, you know? <laughs> um, uh, so they were also up against Jack Lemon. In Days of Wine, what, what do we know Jack Lemmon from? Didn't we just watch a movie with him in it? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, what was it? What was it? The Apartment. Wasn't it The oh, Apartment? Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. He was in The Apartment. Okay. Jack Lemmon, Marcello Mastriolan, <laughs> divorced Italian. I am so sorry. Uh, it's Italian. And then, um, oh, I skipped uh, Best Director, David Lean, won for Lawrence of Arabia. And um, he also did Bridge Over the River Kwai, and he did Dr. Zhivago. So this wasn't his only okay. hit. Um, Best Actress, Anne Bancroft won for The Miracle Worker. I've never heard of that film, have you? Um, no. I'm surprised she won over Betty Davis for Whatever Happened to Baby Jane. Yeah, interesting. And Catherine Hepburn was nominated that year for Long Day's Journey Into Night. Geraldine Page. Okay, let's see. What else do we have for Lawrence of Arabia? Okay, so Best Supporting Actor, Omar Sharif, um, was nominated for Lawrence of Arabia. Um, he was Sheriff Ali, but did not win. Lost out to Ed Begley for Sweet Bird of Youth. How surprised are you going to learn that Ed Begley Jr. is a Nepo baby? Who's Ed Begley Jr.? He is the he has alopecia on Arrested Development. <gasps> Sam Sitwell. Yes! Yeah. <laughs> Oh, that's so funny. He's a Nepo baby. Good for him. Good for the Nepo babies everywhere. I'm happy for him. (laughs) Um, Lawrence did lose to Kill a Mockingbird, to two Kill a Mockingbird for adapted screenplay, which I think is interesting. Hmm. But again, it's not really a plot movie. Yeah. To Kill a Mockingbird is all plot and all dialogue. Did you read 
the watch tower what was it called oh her follow-up yeah no, that, I that never they did. should not have published did you yes it's awful Aww, that makes me sad awful and it like undoes a lot of the plot of to kill a mockingbird in weird ways i don't like that it's awful uh one best score okay which yeah sure sure um, I think that's cinematography, sound. sound. Cinematography for sure. It, yeah, right. No, it didn't win. That's insane. Oh, best cinematography, black and white. Oh, interesting. They used to break them up. Mm-hmm. So it won best art direction, best cinematography, color it won. Yeah, that's deserved. That's really interesting. I wonder how long they split them up like that. Probably till there were no more black and white movies. Well, not, but there still are. Yeah, but they're like, we're being intentional. Yeah, <laughs> we're being intentional. <laughs> the editor was a woman. Lawrence of Arabia. Oh, Anne Coates. Good for you, Anne Coates. Good Co- for you, Anne. Um, it's a classic. You should watch it. Who is our modern day Peter O'Toole? Timothy Chalamet was the first to come to mind. But Timothy Chalamet isn't hot. Like, okay, like, I think he's a heartthrob to a certain type of person. But, like, Peter O'Toole, like we said, unobtainable hot. Who is that person? I mean, Brad Pitt. Yeah, but Brad Pitt's too old now. Peter O'Toole was, like, 30 in this. Um... Do we have, like, a somebody in their 30s who's just, like... That's outrageously hot. It's not Harry Styles. Don't even go there. I wasn't going to say Harry Styles. He's sloppy. We need, like... We need like a. I mean, one of the Hemsworths, Chris Hemsworth. All right, I don't. Maybe. I don't know. Chris Pine's pretty hot. Chris, he actually has Chris Pine vibes. Like Chris Pine has a pretty face. I could see that. Okay, I could see that. Right. I'll accept Chris Pine as that as the answer. Blonde. Okay. Yeah. Um. Next time we are doing. Next time we get around to watching one of these and doing this, I'm actually gonna release this on the normal feed. Oh. Yeah, to let people know what they're missing if they're not subscribing to the bonus feed. <laughs> okay. Every once in a while, you and I watch one of these Oscar movies, uh, Best Picture winners. We are slowly making our way through the 60s right now. And next time, it's Tom Jones, which I've heard is a real stinker. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. So we'll see how that goes. Yeah, one thing that we've learned from doing this review is that some of the worst movies I've ever seen have won Best Picture. Do you remember the the singing one with Bing Crosby? No. no. Yes, you do. When he's um, he's a priest. Oh, the Irish one. Yes, the, the fields, Catholic the green, Irish. The no, 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 no. How green was my valley was good. What are we talking about? You the best day ever or something or I've blocked this out. Best... Did we watch that for this Meg, podcast? Meg, we did. Remember? Okay, so it's Bing Crosby and he's a priest in New York and he goes to like this new parish and he teaches the boys like he turns them into a oh, choir. I think that I was like fighting for my life trying to pay attention to that and meg you and i came into this podcast studio and we screamed about it for like an hour (laughs) because it was one of the stupidest movies i've ever seen and then i looked up a list of like the best picture winners ranked and it was ranked at the very Very bottom bottom, and like the the commentary said because it was like it was 1945 i think It, it, uh, it was the first one to win after the war and the commentary was like the only explanation we have for this is that people just wanted something frothy after the war. And they were like, sure. That's right. That's right. It was so bad. But then some of these movies are like. Masterpieces. There have been a couple that I had never even heard of that I was like, this is one of the best movies I've ever seen. How how have I never heard of this before? So 
I'm having a good time. All, all that to say, I'm having a good time working our way through this. I like the stinkers as much as I like the good ones. Yeah. <laughs> um. So we'll be back to talk about Tom Jones eventually. But next week, we are doing our Oscars predictions. Nick's going to join us. Oh, the, cool. It's our big week. This is our time. Going to bring so in our ballots. We're Stay tuned for that. Thank you so much for listening. And I will, we will talk to you soon. 